Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. The American Indian Services Pre-Freshman Engineering Program, or AIS Prep, is a free STEM summer school program for middle schoolers from eight different Native American tribes. Alice Minsu Chun, founder and CEO of Solite Designs, is this year's AIS Prep graduation keynote speaker. And she joins us today to share her inspirational story as an inventor, entrepreneur, and a former Columbia University professor who created portable origami-inspired solar lights to help with refugee missions and much more. Uh, Alice Minsu Chun, welcome to the program. Hi there. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Th- thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. We're also joined by Shelly Chapus, who is with the AIS Prep Program. She'll talk about this opportunity for young Native Americans to explore STEM studies and careers. Uh, Shelby Chapus, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let me start with you, Shelby Chapus. Uh, tell us, first of all, what American Indian Services is, and then we'll get into this program. Yeah, so American Indian Services started off as a scholarship program for higher education students. And we've, over the past years, we've discovered that we need to be targeting our younger Indigenous students. And so we developed a, well, we partnered with Utah Valley University to bring this prep program to tribal communities. And uh, uh, which tribal communities? I guess it's uh, all over the West, is it? I know there's... I was watching a video of featuring students in Blanding. Yeah, so Blanding was our first site, and then we have um, Gallup, New Mexico, Pocatello, Idaho, and Rapid City, South Dakota. And this is several Native American tribes. Correct. So our tribes are, well, our prep program is central in those tribal communities, but the students that we serve aren't just from those tribal communities. So we have nations that are represented within each site location. Now tell us about the um, the pre-freshman engineering uh, program, I guess the, the acronym here is PREP. Uh, I understand yeah. this is over several summers, these, these are middle schoolers. Yes, they're middle school students, and the whole purpose of it is to prepare the students to be able to be successful in high school and then in higher education. And so our goal is to bring that education to the students where they are so they don't have to travel off of their reservation. Uh, so they're, uh, so it comes to them uh, sort of thing. Yes. And understand uh, if they successfully pass this program, they get a, they get a scholarship? Yeah, so when a student graduates from our prep program after they've completed the three years, they're guaranteed a scholarship for their higher education. Yeah. Let me turn to, um, well, let me first of all ask you, um, Shelby Chaboose, the graduation is July 16th. I understand it. Yes. Uh, Is this uh, virtual, in person? What's happening? So this is in person, and it's really exciting because this is the first time that all of our students will be gathered together, and we're bringing them to the Utah, sorry, the University of Utah campus to hear Miss Alice speak and to experience and to gain some more experience on a college campus. Well, that's wonderful. So the keynote speaker is um, Alice Minsu Chun. Um, How did you get involved in this? Um, Alice Chan? Well, um, 
I am an inventor, and I'm a mother and a professor. Um, I used to teach at Columbia University in design and material culture. And um, when the Haiti earthquake happened in 2010, I realized that uh, a lot of the infrastructure in Haiti was completely destroyed, and many of the people were already just using kerosene to light their world at night. And this is a very dangerous and toxic fuel, and this is happening globally in in third-world countries where infrastructure is really not available. So, <clears throat> And we realized uh, 2 million children die from the toxic indoor air quality from kerosene lighting. So we researched every single light out there on the market, and they were all heavy ugly, uh, bulky, and I'm actually Korean, and I grew up doing origami, and I decided to design a flat-pack solar lantern that's extremely light. It's the lightest um, solar light on the market, and it's easily deployable where you can fit hundreds in a box for emergency deployment versus the regular solar camping lanterns, which are big and bulky, you can only fit like 10 in a box, where ours, you can fit 120 in a box. And so um, we helped Haiti after the earthquake, and then since then we, we've been, uh, every time there's a natural disaster, we've been helping after the Na- Nepal earthquake, uh, and most recently the Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico and Dominica, that was a, a huge catastrophe in terms of infrastructure in, in the Caribbean. And we were able to deploy with our NGO partners over 100,000 lights down to Puerto Rico. And so our social mission is to, to get clean solar lighting to regions that need it most. Um, one of the things that really struck me early on was that in regions of poverty, people spending up to 30% of their income on kerosene to light their world at night. And that, I thought that that was, um, you know, shocking that they would have to spend money on lighting when, when solar lighting is, is possible and then your lighting is for free. And so we've been able, we've been blessed to participate and uh, help people and all over the world. And when I heard about the Indian tribe in Utah, actually Navajo Strong reached out to us um, asking if, if we could donate our lights to, to their reservation. And once we started doing the research, we realized that that the reservation has 150,000 residents, and many of them didn't have running water or electricity, which I thought was just absolutely absurd that that should be happening in the United States. And so we did a campaign, and we donated lights to uh, the Navajo Indian tribe in Utah. And then um, after that, Meredith Little contacted me from AIS requesting um, to see if I would be willing to speak to their graduation group. And that's the other thing that, that our company, So Light Design, does is I 
we believe in in transparency and education, and our principles are about helping people. So, um, of course, I I was thrilled to accept, and um, I'm so excited to to talk to their graduates um, this week, actually, on, on Friday, about innovation and mentorship, and most importantly, how powerful our imagination is for creating change in the world. So, um, we were, you know, luckily we were able to partner with AIS in order to get solar lights for every single graduate. Um, I, I invented this thing called the Solar Puff, which is our original origami solar lamp that, that pops open into a cube. And from my experience with humanity, Humanitarian um, aid, especially in Puerto Rico, we realized that there are so many different agencies that come in and try to provide aid, and many of the products are very cheap and not designed for durability or sustainability. And so our products, we pride ourselves and the idea that design is also important because design also provides dignity. And so our lamps are, are very beautiful, and they have a spectrum of light because of the materials that we use, and they fold easily because of the material technology that we use. But more importantly, I think what's, what's great about when people see our solar lights is that it gives them hope and it gives them a smile and makes children laugh, and it has the ability, I think, to to provide hope. Yeah, very, very important. Uh, Shelby Chapu, so tell me a little bit more about the communities that these students come from. Um, and, and, uh, I, I don't know, are there disparities? I, I think there probably are between, uh, the, you know, these communities and, and, uh, students going into STEM and, uh, maybe other, other communities. Um, what, what are the benefits of, of getting these students at this early age into STEM? Yeah. So all of our tribal communities, they, you know, they have their own struggles and no tribal community struggles in the same way or they struggle similarly. Um, and the, one of the advances or one of the great things about having our students receive their education is they can go back and they can help their tribal communities and they can enhance and provide what's needed for the tribal communities. And one of the great things about educating our youth is they know what their tribal community needs. And so they're able to go back and address the needs of their specific community. What uh, what's the reaction uh, that you get? That uh, in the video I was watching a video. Uh, the actual program looks like uh, you know a lot of fun, a lot of work, I'm sure, <laughs> but some fun as well. Yeah. Um, what, yeah. what what do students, especially if they get to maybe the end of that first summer? What what are they saying? So students, when they go in, they're very gung ho and they're like, "Let's do this," and. What's great about their enthusiasm is it's they're open for learning. And our program, it's, it's very intensive, and it challenges our students. 
but it also caters to what they need. And so our students, and one of the great things about having our prep director or our prep site coordinators and our prep programs on different reservations is it's tailored to the needs of those students. And so when a student graduates, they've received what they needed to receive. And it just furthers their education and it sets them up for success in high school and higher education. Well, let me turn back to um, Alice Minsu Chun. Um, by the way, people can uh, check out uh, your TED Talk. Uh, just Google that up. It's a oh. very interesting TED Talk. Um, I want to make reference yeah. to that. Uh, and uh, the, the company, uh, solite-design.com is where to go. Uh, but I want to talk about, so you, um, you're from Korea, right? And then uh, I guess right. the, uh, came to America, at, I'm not sure what age. Um, at four. At four, okay. Um, so growing up, your, you know, your mother taught you so close. You got interested in origami. Um, d- did you? Was it easy for you to see yourself in in a STEM field, or, or was that a struggle? Actually, yes, it was. Because um, my my family actually is on the creative side. My father was an architect. My mother was an artist, and. But in high school, I really started to be interested in in math and engineering, and eventually I went into getting a master's in in architecture at the University of Pennsylvania. But um, growing up, we were always trying to make things ourselves, and that kind of is a segue into architecture because in architecture you're kind of you're always building something and and being an entrepreneur you're also always um trying to predict the future through an idea that you might have and bring it into bringing that into the market there's a certain um parallel between architecture and being an entrepreneur in that sense because when you first start off, you don't really have anything but an idea, and then it takes sweat, perseverance, grit, and discipline to get that out into the reality of the world. So um, it was something that was challenging, but also um, because there was there is a creative side to uh, STEM, that also... Um, makes it interesting and palatable for for kids at an early age. And as long as the kids are having fun, I think that's really important for, for them to stick to it and continue their their pursuits in engineering and math and technology. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will have uh, much more, of course, with uh, our guests who are Alice Minsu Chun, she's founder and CEO of Solite Designs, and is this year's American Indian Services Pre-Freshman Engineering Program's graduation keynote speaker. Uh, she is with us today. We're also joined by Shelly Chapoose, who is with the AIS Prep Program. Before we go to break, uh, Shelly Chapoose, tell us again when the gradu- when and where the graduation is. Yeah, so the graduation is happening um, Wednesday and ending on Friday, and it's going to be at the University of Utah campus. 
Uh, I also wanted to, uh, you know, give people a chance to uh, know that uh, you can donate to American Indian Services and the AIS program, uh, prep program, right? So AmericanIndianServices.org, right. I think is the place to go. Yep, that is the place. We also um, welcome checks through the mail, and so if if you're wanting to send a donation, our mailing address is three one one five East Lion Lane. 320 Cottonwood Heights, Utah. All right. And uh, if you'd like to check out uh, the, the very innovative uh, designs and uh, what's uh, happening at uh, Solite Design, uh, solite-design.com. We'll have more following this break. Support for Utah Public Radio programming comes from our members and Ice House Frozen Custard, offering build-your-own-concretes or specialty favorites like Mudslide, Salted Caramel, and Bear Lake Craze. Located next to Firehouse Pizza at 682 South Main in Logan. Dine-in and curbside pickup available. Information at icehousefrozencustard.com. Support also comes from Les Olson Company, partnering with businesses by outsourcing technical support and managed IT services. Information at lesolsoncompany.com. Hey, it's Francis Lamb, and this week we spend an hour with Padma Lakshmi. On Top Chef, she sends contestants home every week, but on her new show, Taste the Nation, she goes across the country to learn the human stories behind the foods we all love. That's coming up on The Splendid Table. Sunday at noon, here on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We are talking about the American Indian Services Pre-Freshman Engineering Program. The acronym is AIS PREP. It's a free STEM summer school program for middle schoolers from eight different Native American tribes. Uh, they attend over three summers, and uh, if they graduate uh, from that, they get a free scholarship. Um, many other benefits of the program, and uh, their graduation's coming up. It's uh, July 16th, 10 a.m. at University of Utah. And the, uh, the keynote speaker at that graduation is Alice Minsu Chun. She's founder and CEO of Solite Designs. Uh, she's with us. We're also joined by Shelby Chapus with the AIS prep program. So, Alice Minsu Chun, you, you open your TED Talk uh, saying something uh, interesting. Let me... Uh, Scroll down to where I've written this down. You say a worried mom did better research than the FBI. What are you talking about there? Yes. So <clears throat> the whole reason I, I got into the focus of solar energy in particular was because my son was born with asthma, and we would be going to the doctor's office all the time, and there would be so many kids in the waiting room with asthma and extreme allergies. And basically, they, you know, when, when you have asthma, you're, you're pumped with steroids in order to help you breathe. So I thought that it, this was very strange when I was a kid that the amount of the, the number of children that had asthma was, was nowhere near the amount that was happening now. And so I did my research, and um, basically in New York, this is where I live, one out of four kids had asthma in 2004, and that's 
40% higher than the rest of the country. And now I believe it's spiked to 50% of the kids in New York have asthma. And if you look in every urban region where there are cities, there's always a spike in, in asthma-related um, problems with children. So this is something that is clearly uh, ramifications of, of pollution and environment. Um, most of the buildings here, 75% of the pollution comes from energy consumption in buildings. So this is something that is happening globally, and I believe that the sun is really the most powerful source of energy that comes to the earth every day, and it's free. And so the the idea of renewable energy, I think, is, is what will really save the planet. Um, and if we all work together, uh, one, one light at a time even, we collectively, we can all create a change. You've you've said that sixty uh, percent of GDP is in energy consumption, and uh, and you said earlier in, in yeah. this, this conversation, uh, I don't know, that billions of people rely on kerosene, which is especially dirty and and polluting and uh, problematic. Yeah. It fires and you know and such. Yeah. Uh, um, I wonder if you could spend on that and tell us about. Uh, you mentioned, I think, this talk uh, someone called Alice Toussaint. Um, tell tell us about her and yeah. and how she affected uh, affected you. Yeah, um, so this was early on in Haiti. I spent uh, three years doing field testing in the in the central plateau of Haiti. And it, it was odd because when I first got there, most of the farmers were actually women tilling the soil, um, trying to, you know, harvest crops. And this one woman, I was struck because she had five kids, and single mom living in a small one-room house with with five kids, and uh, she was a farmer. And when I first got there and gave, started giving my my test solar puffs to them, she she broke down and cried and said that this is a gift from God, and she said that. She didn't have enough money to buy the glass to go around her kerosene lamp. So every night the kids were trying to do their homework, and the whole room is filled up with smoke, and, you know, they're coughing. And actually her voice was incredibly hoarse for for a woman her age. And and she said that this this would be an incredible... um, is an incredible gift for her whole family because then, you know, her kids wouldn't be able, would be able to do their homework um, without smoke. And so that was um, the other kind of incident that was significant in, in our purpose and our pursuit of, of continuing our mission. And she also said that she was, paying um, like a dollar for a candle and you know in this region some of them farmers are only making six dollars a day so you can imagine like paying a dollar for a candle to light one night is pretty significant and so 
I figured, wow, they can just save that money and use it for food and clothing and education rather than spending it on a toxic fuel. Uh, You said in this talk, uh, I wrote this one down as well, passion pollinates from a love of what you do. Um, tell me about that. That's, uh, you know, the, so these, these interests that you have, uh, you know, design, textiles, origami, and, and then connecting that to, uh, you know, a, a big humanitarian need of light. Right. Yes, absolutely. And so, um, I, with, with every, um, I've been doing some talks with different children, you know, in, in regions that are extremely um, marginalized, such as Detroit, um, Dominica. Um, and when I talk to the kids, I, I try to emphasize how important um, passion is. Whatever you end up doing, you should love what you do, and the success will come with that passion and with that um, love. So, uh, whenever we have a campaign or anything that um, deals with with our purpose, it's really important for us to convey that passion. And what happens is it becomes contagious that. If you get excited about something and you start to pass that on to another person, then that person will get excited and that will pass it on again. So there's this rippling effect of energy and um, of good ideas when that happens. And so this is something that we don't really teach in, in education, but I believe that it's absolutely critical for, for success in, in any endeavor. Let me turn back to uh, Shelby Chapoose. Uh, I have a quote here from Meredith a Little. Uh, Alice Minsuchun referenced her earlier in the program. Uh, she's, uh, I think she's project and program manager um, at AIS. Uh, so here's what she said. Well, first of all, uh, understand she's an AIS scholarship uh, alumnus. She is. Yeah, so that uh, that's great, you know, giving back. Now, here's what she says. Western, uh, talking about um, marrying STEM and innovation, uh, she says, Western culture emphasizes the importance of the individual. In Native communities, you're only successful when you can lift up your community. Uh, so that's, in, you know, getting these students together, moving them forward, uh, hopefully in, in STEM, um, helps their communities. Yeah, and so, you know, like Meredith said, we are, our tribal communities are successful when we lift them up. And by providing educational opportunities for our students, that allows them to go back and to lift them up. And, yep, we're, we're successful. We're, we consider success when we help our tribal communities. I think one of the reasons to, you know, to get some students on college campuses is to, you know, have them look around and maybe start to envision themselves there. Yeah. And, you know, when a student um, it becomes comfortable on the college, or on the college campus, they're, um, when the time comes for them to attend college, they feel confident in what they're doing and they can navigate the college world. 
What uh, What are some comments you get back? Do the Do the had they seen themselves there before, or or in STEM, or I imagine that's one of the benefits of the program is they can more easily see themselves in that life. Yeah, and you know, a lot of the times um, our students they don't realize that they're capable of doing hard things, and so when when they participate in this prep program, they see themselves doing hard things. They are accomplishing hard things that they may not have thought they could. And whether it's attending college or um, working in leadership positions within their tribe, they this program allows them to experience and gain um, gain experiences to be able to do those hard things. Ellis uh, Minsu Chun, you're the uh, you're the graduation speaker. Uh, you know, maybe give us a little bit of a preview. Yeah. What what uh, what do you want these graduates, uh, these middle schoolers, and and you know, extrapolating that to you know all young people? What do you want them most to know? Well, there's a number. There's kind of a few things, and I I'd like to preface that with a story of. Um, which I shared with Hillary Clinton when I first met her and was was the reason why she added me to her book, The Book of Gutsy Women. And it, it deals with a um, trip that I took after Hurricane Maria when I went down to Dominica. And without having a lot of uh, knowledge of Dominica, other than there is an incredible indigenous tribe also in in Dominica, the oldest indigenous tribe of North America, the Kalinago, lived there. And I knew that they were hit the hardest, and I just put uh, about a thousand solar lights in my luggage and flew down there, not knowing who I would meet or what would happen when I went down. And on the plane from... Um, we had to take a puddle jumper plane and to get from Barbados to Dominica. And I sat next to a young fellow and started talking to him and, and, and said, you know, told him what I was there for. And I said, I really want to perhaps meet the chief of the Colonago so that I can distribute these lights to children. And it turned out that the guy that I was sitting next to was the son of one of the chiefs in the Colonago. And he said, you know, you should talk to my dad because he's he's part of the, the whole organization of, of the Colonago. And so he got on his phone and gave me the phone and I and I started talking to his father and his father said to me, I've heard of you and we've been waiting for you and you should stop by our place once you get off the plane. And so you know, I'd never met this guy before, literally, and um, when I got off the plane, I went I went to his father's home, <clears throat> and within, within a couple of hours, they were able to set up seven schools for me to visit and to distribute the solar lights. And again, this region was a very farm, farming, um, you know, living off the land type of um, region, and many of the kids didn't have roofs on their schools because they were all blown off, and they were in different, you know, kind of 
sheds at that point. And again, they were probably with five other siblings in a small home, and they got their one meal a day when they went to school. And and I started to um, talk with one of the principals, and she started asking me about my childhood. And so I started to speak to them about how powerful uh, being a light warrior is and what do light warriors do. And so when I was a little girl, being Asian, I was very different from all the other kids, and I was beat up and I was teased a lot because I looked different. And I told the kids that, you know, I didn't fight with my fists, but I did fight with the light of my mind and the light of my heart. And if you keep fighting with that light, there's nothing you can't do. And when you're a light warrior, the other thing that happens is that you should never give up. So when I was developing this product, um, a lot of people told me that I wasn't good enough and that I could never bring this product to market. But I fought, and I fought with my imagination and my heart because I knew that this was something that people needed and would make lives better. So I was there in front of them to give them these these lights because I never gave up and I fought with my imagination and my heart. And this is something that I believe is integral and existing in, in everyone. Um, and also little girls. I, I, I have to stress that the mother of invention is necessity, and the daughter of invention is curiosity. Two female characters, but yet in the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, women are only represented by 8%, maybe 10%. And I think that's incredibly low. So I, I would encourage all girls, women, young women, to to really persevere and and. I, you know, it is difficult for the female to um, excel in, in engineering because that, that's the, been the history. But things can change. I believe that this next generation, these middle schoolers, have the power to change what's happening and, and also collectively make a significant impact on our future. Shelby Chapoos, just before we go to another break, um, is there a disparity, um, in, you know, uh, girls and boys getting into STEM, or is it about equal, or do you, do you have to kind of recruit uh, girls to get into STEM? So we actually have a um, higher attendance of females, uh-huh. of female students in our programs. Um, I feel like our students, they... You know, our our tribal communities are um, very matriarchal and in the sense of our women lead the way. And so we have a higher female student population than we do male student population. Yeah. Uh, again, before we go to break, Alice Mitsuchan, I want to follow up with what you were saying. So uh, what do you tell girls, especially? You, you were talking a little bit about that. Um, and I guess part of this is role models, right? yourself being one, uh, girls can look to you, or are there female role models in STEM? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's many, many. um, There are several women 
that are inventors at the United States Patent and Trademark Office. The woman that invented Kevlar was actually a woman. Um, um, Marie Curie was Marie Curie. I'm sorry, I'm not pronouncing it right. Um, originally was not put on the patent because um, that was not done back in those days. And, and later on, she was added um, to the patent. So I think that, you know, there's probably a lot of girls out there that want to be inventors and they should be inventors and they should basically just stay strong and, and believe in themselves and surround themselves with like-mindedness and pursue their dreams so that they can realize their ambitions. Well, let's go to a break. We'll come back with our last segment. Uh, we're talking with Alice Minsu Chun. She is founder and CEO of Solite Designs, and she's this year's American Indian Services Pre-Freshman Engineering Program, or AIS Prep, a graduation keynote speaker. We're also talking with Shelby Chapus, who is with the AIS Prep Program. Shelby Chapus, before we go to break, tell us again uh, details on the uh, graduation. Yeah, so our graduation is going to be held July 16th, 10 a.m. at the University of Utah campus. And uh, people remind people you can donate to American Indian Services and the AIS Prep Program AmericanIndianServices.org is the website. Right. And uh, if you want to check out uh, Solite, uh, Solite-Design.com, Solite-Design.com. We'll have more following this. Did you know that kindergartners can learn to code? Coding toys, which allow children to program simple sequences of light, sounds, or actions, are becoming more and more accessible to parents and educators. Research is ongoing to determine how these toys can enhance problem-solving skills and help foster early computational thinking. By studying the way kindergartners think and reason, researchers hope to evaluate the effectiveness of such toys so that educators can make more informed decisions about the toys they use in early childhood settings. This segment of Did You Know That? has been brought to you by our members and the Emma Eccles-Jones College of Education and Human Services committed to mentoring tomorrow's educators, researchers, and clinicians, located on campuses in Logan and 26 other sites throughout Utah. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking about opportunities for uh, young people in Native American communities to Get into uh, science, technology, engineering, and math, or STEM. American Indian Services Pre-Freshman Engineering Program is available to uh, many um, middle schoolers. Uh, it's a program that goes over uh, three summers, and uh, the young folks are, are taught uh, STEM. Uh, remind us, uh, Shelby Chapus, uh, these are the, the program comes to folks in their communities, right? Uh, this is over three summers, and at the end of that, uh, th they get a scholarship? Yeah, so it's three summers in their middle school years, and then after they attend um, high school and they go on to pursue their higher education, they're guaranteed a scholarship from us. Which can be, for many families, can be a game changer, right? 
get uh, fo- and many right. of these would probably be or some at least would be first first uh, generation college students yeah and um you know that's that's one thing that our program promotes is is higher education and our goal is to be able to provide provide the the tools for them to be successful and part of that is a scholarship so we are joined by Shelby Chapus. She's with the AIS Prep Program. Uh, the uh, graduation keynote speaker is Alice Minsu Chun. She's founder and CEO of Solite uh, Designs. Uh, so Alice Chun, I wanted to talk about you. You made reference earlier in this program uh, to the fact that many times, most often, if you're an inventor, uh, you also need to be an entrepreneur, right? You need to get your invention out there. Um, so you. Um, I don't know, you try to find uh, regular sources of funding. I know you did turn to a Kickstarter campaign. Yes. Um, actually, for all of our new products and inventions, our first uh, marketing strategy is to do a crowdfunding campaign because uh, it. I, I believe in it because it, it's kind of like the democratization of of investing in a way because your supporters, your backers are, are believe in the good idea and they pledge so that you can develop your good idea into reality. So we've been very fortunate that every time that we do do a crowdfunding campaign, we do actually deliver. Um, so I've done several so far, and they've all been pretty successful. Uh, I also have a new product that I've invented from the due to the pandemic. I've developed a transparent N95, and I launched that on crowdfunding as well. But uh, there's many different ways to really get an idea to market. Uh, tell us about this. This is uh, the CUS95 transparent shield and respirator mask. What? Uh, it's I understand it's self adhesive. You don't have uh, ear loop. Yes. Yes. So the the big issue with the current masks are that it, they cause and rashes and wounds on our healthcare workers. And if you're wearing the mask for a significant, you know, for an hour or so. Um, Actually, when, when I wear a mask, it's after 10 minutes, I start getting um, face dents. But um, that's due to the pressure required for the mask to, to work effectively. So that's the first thing that I wanted to eliminate was the ear loops and the head harness and realized that there are already materials out on the market, very intelligent materials that are good for the skin that actually heal the skin, like scar tissue healing tape or beauty products that are anti-wrinkle. They're all self-adhesive and that stick to your skin, and they're gentle enough but also allow for the skin to, to heal. And this material was originally used for burn victims, and used, and currently it's used for post-op to help your wounds heal more rapidly. So I combined that material with the transparent mask, which is made out of silicone, and it's flexible, and it can fold and and bend. 
and adapt to your facial contours pretty easily. So that's that's the whole um, idea behind the CS CS95 mask that it will eliminate um, the pressure required for the face and also it's transparent so that we can socially um, connect again. Uh, one of the problems with the pandemic was that we all started to look like burglars <laughs> and especially in healthcare, we need to have that social connection of emotion and, and to be able to see a smile, to connect with other people um, besides um, our verbal connection. So I think that it, it, even though the pandemic has, most people are vaccinated and um, we're nearing, we're hopefully nearing the end of the pandemic. I still believe that these masks will be incredibly important and impactful because um, it will make improvements to the healthcare industry so that our doctors and patients can recognize each other again. And even globally, pollution has actually killed more people than COVID-19. I believe yearly um, 4.6 million people die from pollution and COVID-19 killed 1.3 million. It's interesting that we we just kind of accept the the solutions that have maybe first come on, and so a transparent yeah. uh, mask, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of benefits from that, and self adhesive. Uh, I want to just have a few minutes left here. Uh, something you said, just a simple phrase in your TED talk, struck me. I want to maybe have you expand on this. You said, "Design provides dignity. Design provides dignity." Yes. Um, so the origins of design, actually, the etymology of design is to, it, it, if you literally translate that, it means throw something forward into the future. So when you throw something forward into the future, like an idea that becomes reality or, or architecture or even um, on, entrepreneurial adventure, uh, this this um, thing that you create and design it, it no longer becomes yours, but it becomes it, it belongs whoever it it ends up with the product or or a building or um, it could be a poem or a story as well. But I think that um, that having beauty and wonder and awe is just as important as having food and water because you can survive. And I saw this happen um, in in Puerto Rico where this small village out in the hillside, they had food and water, but then um, they lost hope and, and 40 people ended up committing suicide because they lost hope. So if you don't have hope, you're still going to you may still die, even though you have food and water. So part of part of our um, belief is that good design, that beauty, wonder and awe are just as important and that um, this provides dignity 
whether you're living in Nantucket or whether you're living in New York or whether you're living in Nigeria. Design means something, and it and it it's something that we don't give enough attention to. But you do see companies like Apple that where design completely changed the way that we looked at computers. So, you know, I believe in that. Is uh, I guess you're always looking around, uh, you know, looking for innovations. Is there? Something on the horizon, something you'd like to do, haven't done yet? Actually, yeah, I have a lot of ideas that, you know, it would take a lot longer than this interview (laughs) to go through. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, constantly, absolutely, constantly thinking about ways to to help improve and solve problems. But that's that's where we stem our our beginnings is to, to think of, how we can help people. How can how can we make lives better? That's the first thing. And then looking at the existing solutions that are out there and the problems with them. So, and then going from there. Well, we just have a couple minutes left. Uh, so, uh, first of all, at the end here, uh, Shelby Chapus, uh, we had you say this at the beginning, maybe at the end here as well for people who have just joined us. Uh, tell us what what American Indian Services is, first of all. Yeah, so American Indian Services is a nonprofit organization that provides educational opportunities for Native American students throughout the country. We have our scholarship program for higher education, and then we have our middle school program for students throughout the summer, and then we also have tribal projects. Very good. And we've been talking, of course, this hour about the uh, American Indian Services Pre-Freshman Engineering Program. Uh, it's a free STEM summer school program for middle schoolers. Um, and uh, the graduation is coming up. Tell us uh, about that. Yeah, so on July 16th at 10 a.m., um, we're going to be having Ellis speak to our students. And they're going to be um, completing their summer program, but we're bringing students from all of our prep locations to the University of Utah to celebrate. Very good. Um, and, uh, the, of course, the keynote speaker there is Alice uh, Minsu Chun, founder and CEO of Solite Designs. Um, so Solite Designs, solite-design.com. I notice, uh, Alice Chun, that, uh, you know, of course, you purchase products here, but uh, uh, I see a, a donation uh, section here. You can, you can yeah. donate. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's what we did with the Navajo Strong Organization. We we send out um, we created campaigns to help certain orga- organizations that fit, you know, that match our our mission, and we um, allow our followers to donate a light to a certain project, and that's how we we were able to. To help Navajo strong. And so I guess you just go to the website, solite-design.com? Yes. All right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Shelby Chapus, tell us uh, how folks can donate to American Indian Services and the PrEP program. Yeah. So if you go onto our website, AmericanIndianServices.org, and um, you can donate online or we welcome anything by mail. Very good. Uh, we've been talking with Shelby Chapus, who is with American Indian Services in their pre-freshman engineering program. Thank you so much. 
Of course. And uh, we're talking with uh, the keynote speaker at the graduation, Alice Minsu Chun, founder and CEO of Solite Designs. Uh, thank you so much. Oh, it's been a pleasure and an honor to be on the show. And you're a very amazing interviewer, so thank you. Well, I appreciate that. Um, and uh, uh, good luck with everything going on. A lot of, lot of good things uh, happening there. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to Access Utah today. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Salt Lake City Weekly, a Utah news source since 1984, covering music, dining, nightlife, and more in Salt Lake City and beyond. Available weekly at 1,800 locations across the Wasatch Front or online at cityweekly.net. A political refugee from Nazi Germany discovers that even in America, he can't escape his past. You are a gambler. But you should not gamble with your life. Ah! Susan Sullivan, Jonathan Cake, and Heidi Dippold star in Lillian Hellman's Watch on the Rhine, next time on L.A. Theatre Works. Tune in Friday night at 9 here on Utah Public Radio. Hi, this is Dennis Hinkamp. I listen to UPR on my smart device, Alexa, when I'm at home, in a car at 91.5. And when I travel, I just open up my computer to upr.org and listen to live streaming. You're listening to Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSU FM Logan, also heard at upr.org.